Hey there, this is Brian Zond, and welcome to my sermon podcast. I'm glad that you're interested in the sermons that I preach here at Word of Life Church in St. Joseph, Missouri. And if you ever feel inclined to help us by supporting us financially, you can do that at our website, wolc.com. Thank you. Welcome, welcome everybody. Welcome to Word of Life Church right in the Amazon rainforest. It is... I, I don't remember a summer when it's just rain like this. It's raining right now. I can hear it. All right. For those of you that are joining us in a drought-stricken region, my apologies. But it's raining here. It's rained all summer. All right. Well, welcome to Finding God in the Music, Season 15, Track 2. Finding God in the Music. It's a collaboration of Christian theology and contemporary music in the form of sermon. Art plays a really big role in my preaching and in my writing, not primarily necessarily from, for information, but definitely for inspiration. And the songs that I use in Finding God in the music are my interpretation of them, not necessarily. Not necessarily what the artist intended. It's my interpretation of them. But that's the way that art works. It evokes different responses in different people. True art, real art, actually transcends the artist. Something in real art, whether we're talking about literature, film, theater, music, dance, painting, whatever. True art transcends the artist. And the artists themselves can be at a loss to, to fully understand what it means because the muse has taken them over and taken them to a place that they could not have gone otherwise. Uh, that's the way that art works. And, and this is as opposed to propaganda, which is a deliberately heavy-handed attempt at manipulation. And this is why overtly, for example, evangelistic films though well-intended, usually are bad art. <laughs> Artistically, it's like, ugh, it's cringy. Uh, so we're, we're going for more art than propaganda. And the artist for today's sermon is returning for the third time. Uh, they made their first appearance nine years ago, this artist. And their second appearance was just last year. So they're, they're back to back. They're going back to back. Uh, last year, they showed up with their song Waiting on a War from their album Medicine at Midnight. They're back this year. Of course, I'm talking about the Foo Fighters. The Foo Fighters, that's who I'm talking about. This is the band, you know, fronted by Dave Grohl. He's a good guy. Fronted by Dave Grohl, and they have carried the torch for good old-fashioned hard rock music for nearly 30 years now. And I am un unapologetically, I'm a fan of that. And uh, they're good at what they do. They're good. Uh, in their previous, what, 10 albums, half of them, five of them have won the Grammy for best rock album. They'll probably get a sixth this year. Uh, they're, they're good. Uh, their 2007 album, Echo, Silence, Patience, and Grace. Oh, it's dear to my heart. Not, not just the, the fact that artistically I like the music and all, but spiritually. I mean, they, they weren't necessarily, I don't think, intending to do something spiritual. 
But that's how it landed in my soul. That's the possibility of art. I'll never forget listening to Echo, Silence, Patience, and Grace on the train from Rome to Assisi in 2007. It was a very significant moment in my life. Uh, in fact, chapter six of my book, Water to Wine, is entitled Echo, Silence, Patience, and Grace. Uh, I love that album. I love the Foo Fighters. Uh, Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters, they, they always seem to bring the light. They are a relentlessly positive rock band. And that's pretty rare, actually. It's much easier to be rock and roll by being cynical. But they don't do that. They, they go for the light. Well, uh, in June this year, they released their 11th album, But Here We Are. That's, that's the name. But Here We Are. They've been through some stuff, but here we are. That's the name of the album. It was recorded in the wake of a couple of tragedies. Of course, there was the tragic and untimely death of the Foo Fighter drummer Taylor Hawkins, but also that in that same time frame, Dave Grohl's mother passed away. And so this album is written, in some ways it's a response to death. It's these tragedies have come, these deaths have come, and Dave Grohl writes these songs in response to them, but they are not dark. It's not a dark album. In fact, literally, it's not a dark album. I mean, the, the album cover and the vinyl itself are white, bringing the light. I think, it's, I think it's a good album. And the song that I've chosen for to work with is, the, is track one. It's the first song on the, on the But Here We Are album, uh, Rescued. Rescued. That's the name of the song. So I'm going to show you the video. You onliners, you know how this works. Can't stream it live, prohibited from doing that, but you have links and all of that, wolc.com slash music videos, and there it'll be. The music video that we're going to show you um, is, is live. You know, they can, they can play their songs. I like that about bands. And this is, this is a live recording in their rehearsal room when they were introducing their new drummer, John Freeze. And so, uh, live performance in a rehearsal room, uh, the Foo Fighters doing their song, Rescued. Get ready to rock a little bit, just enjoy this, it's good.
you dance under the lights I'm just waiting to be rescued Bring me back to life Yeah, that's the kind of music I like right there, right there, right there. That's, I just can live right there. Well, here's, here's the lyrics, uh, some of the lyrics I want to revisit. I fell in a trap. My heart's getting colder. Yeah, has that ever happened? Where some, some, some tragedy, some bad things came into your life and... You fall into a trap. My heart's getting colder. It's coming on fast. It's over my shoulder. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Is this happening now? Are you feeling what I'm feeling? This is happening now. We're all free to some degree to dance under the lights. I'm just waiting to be rescued. Bring me back to life. Kings and queens and in-betweens, we all deserve the right. I'm just waiting to be rescued. I'm just waiting to be rescued. We're all just waiting to be rescued tonight. Now, this song reminds me of another song. Uh, this song reminds me of one of the songs of David. Finding God in the music. I can go from Foo Fighters to King David. King David, he wrote some songs. One of them's Psalm 34. Verse 17, part of the song says this, the Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to rescue, comes to the rescue each time. The Lord comes to the rescue each time. Mm. We're all just waiting to be rescued. Now, and the Lord rescues his people. You can say amen to that. That's all right. To be rescued is maybe, maybe the best way of understanding what we mean by salvation. Salvation gets overladen with a lot of religious jargon, doctrinal disputes even. What we mean by salvation is to be rescued. That's what we mean. That's what the word means. That's what the concept is. And rescued might be, at times anyway, a better word than saved because it's less weighted down with religious cliche. We tend to put an unhelpful finality on saved. Yes, I got saved. I, I was saved in 1974. Well, that's good. Me too. How about that? We got that in common. But yeah, 
It isn't like, you know, I, I got saved and I got my ticket to heaven and I'm just good to go. Well, maybe. <laughs> or maybe you still need some rescue from time to time. Anybody need some rescue from time to time? Okay, that's what we're talking about. The truth is that we need to be rescued on a regular basis. We need help from heaven. We all need to be rescued. We all need to be rescued from all kinds of things. I mean, I'll just, have, you, have you ever been rescued by the Lord? Or maybe, maybe right now you say, well, you know, actually right now, <laughs> right now I'm sending, I'm sending up the signal flares to Jesus. <laughs> I need rescue, Jesus. All right. Whatever threatens the well-being of your soul and the potential for abundant life is something to be rescued from. And so there's all kinds of maladies of spirit, mind, and body from which we need rescue. Of course, the ultimate rescue, the ultimate rescue is the rescue from death. We all need that. That's, that's what this is all about. This is what this icon is about. This Anastasis icon, this resurrection icon. This is an iconic image of the ultimate rescue. It's an image, a theological artistic image of Jesus Christ descending down into death, trampling death under his feet, triumphing over death through his cross, and then reaching out to lay hold of Adam and Eve representing the human race to rescue them from the bondage of the gates of hell, to rescue them from the bondage of death. That right there, that is the ultimate Christian image of rescue. Jesus descending to where we are captives and taking hold of us and pulling us to safety. Rescue. That's what that is. I'm just waiting to be rescued. We're all just waiting to be rescued tonight. And you know what that is, this, this posture of, of waiting. I'm waiting to be rescued. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in trouble. I'm in a hard time. I'm in a bad situation. I'm in a place I don't want to be, but I'm not giving up. I'm waiting for rescue. I believe rescue is going to come. You know what that is? There's a word for that. It's called hope. That's what the hope is. Hope is, I believe that rescue is going to come. I believe that rescue is going to come. Waiting for rescue with even a faint anticipation that rescue will come is what hope is. And the book of Psalms is a rich reservoir of hope-filled prayer poetry. That's, that's what the Psalms are. The, the Psalms are poems to be prayed that are hope-filled. I mean, so much of the Psalms, they're, they're, these are songs written by people who are in trouble. But they're not going to despair. They're honest about their trouble. They're telling, you, they're telling the Lord how bad it is. But they are not giving up. They're not despairing because they believe the Lord will come to their rescue. And that's, that's a theme that just goes through all of these prayer poems that are the Psalms. In fact, just right next door, we were in Psalm 34. If you go to the previous Psalm, Psalm 33, the last three verses, we put our hope in the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. 
Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. This is one reason that we love the Psalms so much. Anybody love the Psalms? Perry's, Perry's a big lover of the Psalms. She, just, she, buys, she prays the Psalms, reads the Psalms, and buys dozens of books on the Psalms. Uh, she's, our, she's our resident psalmist, <laughs> or at least psalm authority. One of the reasons that we love the Psalms so much is because they show us how to hold on to hope in hard times. Everybody say hope. That's a good word. Now abide these three, faith, hope, and love. Hope's a big one. And hope is not, I, want, I just want to look in your eye and tell hope is not naive optimism. Hope is not turning a blind eye to reality. No, no. That, that is not what we mean by hope. Hope knows that the struggles and sorrows that we are facing are real. Hope is realistic about that. Hope is not pretending. Hope is not whistling past the graveyard. Hope is not naive optimism. It's just that hope refuses to despair because hope believes in goodness and in the reality of rescue. Hope says, I know I'm in a bad way, but this doesn't have to be this way forever because rescue can come. And our hope is in the Lord. Our hope is in the Lord. We, we hope in the Lord. We don't necessarily hope for a, for a, specific, a specific imagined outcome, that is, but our hope is in the Lord. And we're Christians. We are the baptized and we confess that Jesus is Lord. All right, so you, you see all of these, you know, in the Psalms, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Well, as, as we come to these Psalms as believers in Jesus, we come with our greatest confession that Jesus is Lord. So, for example, here's again in Psalm 33. I, as a Christian, I'm going to read it and pray it like this. We put our hope in the Lord Jesus. Jesus is our help and our shield. In Jesus, our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. In Jesus' holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord Jesus, for our hope is in you alone. Jesus saves, or to say it another way, Jesus rescues. Amen and amen. Now, without hope, that is without, you know, some kind of Hope in God, hope in goodness, hope in a better world, hope in resurrection, hope for the future. Without hope, we become susceptible to creeping cynicism, a virus of the soul, a malady of the soul, a disease of the soul, cynicism. This cynicism is a pessimism that doubts the goodness of everything. Cynicism is suspicious that anything is really good. And cynicism sees as its task to find what's wrong with what everybody else is saying is right. You know cynicism. Religion is a racket, you know. All the church is one is your money. 
all the politicians, every one of them, they're corrupt. Hope is for fools. That's cynicism. Now, cynicism likes to present itself as world-weary wisdom. You know, cynicism is, uh, I I used to, yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah. You you just live a little longer, son. Just live a little longer, you know. You'll find out. Hope is for fools. Cynicism likes to present itself as world-weary wisdom, but it's really just a cheap imitation of wisdom. David Bentley Hart, one of my predominant theological voices in my life, David Bentley Hart says, wisdom is the recovery of innocence at the far end of experience. Ah, if you can go through some things, I mean some hard things, some real things, some demanding things, some bad things, and still be able to have some kind of innocence of soul, innocence of spirit, that's wisdom. That's where you didn't allow that which was negative to turn you into a cynic. Cynicism is not wisdom. It's just not. And it's not prophetic. And it's not truth. And I just say this, it's not healthy. It's not healthy. Cynicism is one of the most toxic poisons you can let into your soul. If cynicism takes over your disposition your thinking, your attitude, it will lead you. It'll take you somewhere. It'll take you to the edge of the yawning abyss of nihilism. That's that's where it will take you. The very opposite of the kingdom of heaven is the hell of nihilism. What do I mean by nihilism? Well, it's it's belief in nothing, but it's, it's really the rejection of all tradition and all religion with a corresponding belief, I use that word advisedly, belief, that life is in fact essentially meaningless. Cynicism offers the soul no other end than nihilism. The black hole of meaningless despair. So so you can can pretend that you're wise by being cynical, but just know where it's going to take you. Know where the end of that road is. And just then refuse to go there. Just say, I'm not going to be that way. Fight cynicism within your own soul. It is the good fight of faith. That's the good fight of faith, especially especially in the age and time and moment in which we live. The good fight of faith is to resist cynicism. Now, since finding God in the music is where I am employing assistance for musical artists, I am going to now call upon another musical artist I won't be playing this music, this, this artist's music for you, but you can explore it if you like. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call upon Nick Cave. Anybody familiar with Nick Cave? Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Uh, they've been around for 40 years, so you know they're like my age, old. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. They've, they've, they've been making music for 40 years. They put out 12 albums. They're, they're truly one of the most influential alternative rock bands in history. They're one of these bands that not everybody knows about, but they're influential of other artists. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Well, after 20 years of heroin addiction, Nick Cave, 
10 years of which he was really trying to not be a heroin addict and found it very difficult to get free. After 20 years of heroin addiction and then the death of his 15-year-old son, Nick Cave returned to his Christian faith. And there's a very interesting interview with Nick Cave and Rowan Williams. I read it. It's fascinating, very lengthy. Rowan Williams, you know, he was the Archbishop of Canterbury, the head of the Church of England for a season. And now, you know, he's just one of the world's leading Christian theologians, great mind. He's the guy with the wild eyebrows. If you've ever seen his eyebrows, they're fantastic. Uh, you, you look at that guy, he must be a theologian. Uh, well, anyway, there was, this, there was this interview with Rowan Williams and Nick Cave. Nick Cave says this. I'm going to let Reverend Nick Cave preach a little bit. Nick Cave. Cynicism is not a neutral position. And although it asks almost nothing of us, it is highly infectious and unbelievably destructive. In my view, it is the most common and easy of all evils. I know this because much of my early life was spent holding the world and the people in it in contempt. It was a position both seductive and indulgent. The truth is I was young and I had no idea what was coming down the line. I lacked the knowledge, the foresight, the self-awareness. I just didn't know. It took a devastation to teach me the preciousness of life and the essential goodness of people. It took a devastation to reveal the precariousness of the world, of its very soul, to understand that it was crying out for help. It took a devastation to understand the idea of mortal value, and it took devastation to find hope. Unlike cynicism, hopefulness is hard-earned, makes demands upon us, and can often feel like the most indefensible and lonely place on earth. Hopefulness is not a neutral position either. It is adversarial. It is the warrior emotion that can lay waste to cynicism. Each redemptive or loving act, as small as you like, keeps the devil down in the hole. That's a good sermon right there from Nick Cave. I don't think he's a bad seed at all. I think he's a good seed. He'd probably agree with me now. Hope is the warrior emotion that can lay waste to cynicism. Mm. Hope is not childish, naive optimism. Hope is a warrior. Hope is a warrior that will fight with you the good fight of faith. Cynicism, you know what cynicism is? Cynicism is protective armor that is self-destructive. Cynicism actually comes from this motivation. I don't want to be disappointed. I don't want to be disappointed anymore. I don't want to be disappointed, so I'm just going to refuse to believe in the possibility of goodness. That's when we find ourselves following in the footsteps I'll just be honest, of Frederick Nietzsche. And we become what Paul Ricoeur says, the masters of suspicion. 
This is how Paul Ricoeur, French philosopher, described the philosophy of Nietzsche, Marx, and Freud. They're suspicious of goodness. They're suspicious mostly of love. Nietzsche says, nah, it's all about power. Marx says, nah, it's all about money. Freud says, nah, it's all about sex. All this, all this talk of love and goodness, yeah, we're suspicious of it. Don't follow that road. It leads nowhere good. Cynicism is protective armor against the possibility of disappointment that ultimately, you, see, you, can, you can put that armor on, but it suffocates your soul and eventually all joy within you begins to die. The joy begins to die. I mean, the, 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 the joy. How are you going to go through life without having some joy on the inside? I've seen people that have really become captured by cynicism tell me that certain people in certain parts of the world because of their situation cannot be joyful and yet I go there and they do have joy. They do have joy. And so here's part of the danger of cynicism. It not only wants to take joy away from, well, it not only takes joy away from its own soul, it, wants, it tries to steal joy from other people. You cannot be joyful, the cynic will say. That's a cruel thing to do to somebody. Cynicism is protective armor that doesn't work. It tries to protect from disappointment, but at the cost of all joy. It's hope in the goodness of others and in the grace of God that keeps the devil down in the hole. Come on, we gotta keep the devil down in the hole. Where's the devil? Down, down in the hole. Keep the devil down in the hole. It's hope in the goodness of others. I, I am not a subscriber to these doctrines of total depravity. That everyone is totally depraved until they get elected to not be. I don't believe that. You know why? Because I know lots of people. I meet them. Ah, here and there, there's an evil one. But most people are good and they're just, they're just struggling. And their bad moments are not their best self. It's not their typical self. It's a moment where they lost control. It's hope in the goodness of others and ultimately in the grace of God that keeps the devil down in the hole. Hope in the goodness of others and ultimately in the grace of God to rescue and to save that keeps the devil down in the hole. We're all just waiting to be rescued. And that's what hope is. All right, so one more time. This, this, is, this is our hope. That I'm just gonna wait I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting on the Lord. I'm just waiting. Jesus, I'm waiting on you to rescue me. That hope will not disappoint. That hope will not, your hope will not. Jesus will wait on the Lord and he will come to you. Let's go through this one more time, but let's do it. Let's read it like believers in Jesus. Psalm 34, finding God in David's music. The Lord Jesus hears his people when they call to him for help. Jesus rescues them from all their troubles. This is not naive optimism, my friends. This is hope in the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus is close to the brokenhearted. 
Jesus rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles. No doubt about that. We're honest and real about that. That's for sure. But the Lord Jesus comes to the rescue each time. Jesus is coming. He's going to rescue you. I'm just waiting to be rescued. You're going to be rescued. Jesus is coming to you. He just, hold on, hold on. He's coming. Help from the sanctuary is coming. The word that is made flesh, which is Jesus, is coming. He's going to rescue you. That's your hope. Hold on to it. Amen and amen. Amen. Stand up with me. Come on now, hope. It's that warrior emotion. It's not naivete. So you, 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 you speak of your hope and you say, Jesus comes to my rescue every time. And when someone says, you're naive, you say, I'm a warrior. <laughs> That's my warrior emotion coming out. That I'm not going to give in to cynicism. I believe that Jesus will come and save me. I'm hoping for that. I'm holding on to that. I'm just waiting for Jesus to come and rescue me tonight. Amen and amen. Ooh, Jesus and the Foo Fighters made me happy today. All right, all right. Yeah, and now let's come to Jesus by coming to his table, by coming to where he is sacramentally present in the bread and the wine, his life in his blood and his flesh communicated unto us. Join with me in confessing first our Christian faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now join with me in confessing our sins and receiving the Lord's forgiveness. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name, amen. And God is gracious to all who confess their sins and in humility ask for rescue, ask for mercy. So I say to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. And this is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little. You who have been here often and you who have not been here long. You who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come. Because it is the Lord who invites you. It is his will that those who want him should meet him here. The body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. Amen.